Good morning. Oh, it does work. Yeah. Um, this is the first for me um, to, one, being, being videoed, I've only ever been audio before, and having a video introduction is quite, uh, quite amazing. So um, Andy McCulloch invited me to actually speak, and he just said two things, uh, keep it brief, <laughs> and, and keep it brief. That's the other thing he said. And uh, my daughter said, don't tell any jokes because your North London humour doesn't always translate. <laughs> um, so uh, just, let's get going. Just in case you've not met me before, my name is Mick, often called Uncle Mick, which I quite like. Everyone needs an uncle some t at some time. Um, my, my daughter's B Taylor, who's the children's worker for the church and... Um, children's leader for the church, and my son-in-law is Scott Taylor, one of the pastors here. Um, we retired here seven years ago from a church in North London. We'd been there for 41 years. We were evangelised into it. Um, I ended up as one of the pastors there. Um, but we decided that when we moved uh, to uh, Reading, and we didn't wait for an angel to tell us, it was very practical. We wanted to be near our grandchildren. Um, we, we visited Reading Family Church a few times and thought, isn't it odd? The first thing we noticed, everyone was so much younger than us. <laughs> the second thing was they sang all these songs we didn't know. Because when you're in a different church culture, it's just very different. Anyway, so I'm glad there's a few more grey hairs here. Thank you, John Anne. So um, I, knew it'd be, I knew things were going to be different because when you're a, a pastor in a church in a totally different culture, and I, and I decided, I said, one, I'm going to be teachable. These guys that are, generally speaking, much younger than me, I believe in church authority. I'm going to be subject to the elders. I'm going to be teachable. And that has been really, really good. Not always easy, <laughs> but it's been good. And I love this church. And one of the things that uh, I'll give you a word of advice. If you like what the leaders are doing, encourage them. Because leadership can be very lonely. And if you don't like what they do, don't tell them. Just tell God. Because it's his church, right? I recommend that. So, oh, I'm supposed to pray on that now. <clears throat> Father God, I pray that we would just learn a little more from you as we respond in our hearts this morning. Amen. I've, I've just got to respond a little bit to what Clayton shared, which I just thought was just amazing with the, with the washing liquid. You know, I, that, that's incredible. I'm, I'm rather an impatient sort of person. And I could imagine me, I'd be squirting some out the bottle, you know? So, so we'd get there a little bit quicker. I mean, that's just, you know, perhaps you're not like that, you know. Um, now, when uh, Blessing spoke, he spoke on God is Light with some great stories, even pictures. Yeah, I can't compete with that, so I don't even... And then last week, Kathy spoke on God is Knowable. And she also had some encouraging stories. Um, I'm a bit of a storyteller. I'll tell you one story which has nothing to do with the preach at all, but it's just on a whim. <laughs> no. 
actually, it really refers, Kat Starling shared last week um, how she just going about her ordinary daily business and how she became an answer to prayer. If you've not caught up on it, catch up on it, it's everything last week was really, really good. Preaching was great and the sharing was great. So Kat found herself as an answer to prayer for a Christian lady in trouble. And uh, we can be naturally supernatural. And that's what really Kat was saying. We can be naturally supernatural. You can just think, I'll call on my neighbour and it's just God's appointment. I'll phone that person. It's just the right time. And I'll just... I'll just tell you an instance when I was an answer to prayer. Back in about 1978, I think, somewhere around there, I was a sales rep, I was driving my car around, and I happened to be near where one of the elders of our church lived. And I pulled in by the shops. I wanted to buy a packet of polo mints. Don't they still do them anyway? I, I went in the shop, I bought the mints. As I came out, there was a butcher's shop, and it had bargain, and it had chickens in the window, you see. I just had this thought, do you know, Andrew and Peggy live around the corner, I think I'll, I'll buy them a chicken. <laughs> so I, I go to the shop, it was a real bargain, probably about two shillings. In those days. Um, you can ask me afterwards what that. Um, so I, I bought this chicken, and I put it in a little carrier bag, and I drove around the corner, swung out the pavement, knocked at the door, Peggy came to the door, I handed the chicken, I said, here's a gift. Bye. Jumped back in the car. And as I went away, I looked at the rear view mirror, and she was just standing there with her mouth open, holding this chicken. <laughs> now, you've got to remember that this is before mobile phones and all that technology. So in the evening, the house phone rings, and it's Peggy's husband, Andrew. And he says... I just wanted to thank you for the chicken. I said, oh, that's very nice, you know. I mean, it's a polite British thing to do, isn't it? You know, you, you ring up and you say, or you write a little thank you card, or, you know. But he, 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 he wanted to sort of say thank you. Then he shared, um, he was an architect, and one of the elders in the church, he shared that they had been praying for months and months and months. Should he... Uh, quit his job as an architect to become a full-time leader in the church, which the church couldn't afford. And so they, they'd been praying for months, and then they got to this point where they said, Lord, we need a sign from you that you'll provide for us. Then this salesman knocks on the door and hands a chicken. <laughs> and they called it the prophetic chicken. I never asked them what it tasted like. I don't suppose they were, I don't suppose they were uh, that sort of bothered. But So I, I just want to say, just be you. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Expect God to move. And when you just think, oh, shall I do this? Just do it. Here's a bit of word of advice, whether you like it or not, because I've got the microphone. Um, <laughs> If you think you've heard from God, act like you have. Go for it. Act like you have. Because it's not always big flashing lights and, and things. You know, it's a still, small voice. 
So I can't help thinking a bit pastorally. So before I talk a bit about Father God, um, I, I just want to share a bit of experience. I have sat many hours with many, many people, distressed men and women, who have said, I can't relate to Father God. My father abused me. My father walked out on us when we were five years old. And they'd say, I don't mind praying to Jesus, but Father God, forget it. In fact, I mean, one guy said to me, I quite like the Roman Catholic idea of praying to Mary. In fact, a Catholic priest once said to me, I can't do the accent because he was Irish. <laughs> Didn't you find it easier to talk to your mother when you were a child than your father? That was his excuse for Mary worship, which I really don't buy at all. Now, I have a lot of compassion um, for... I I have compassion. I haven't got much patience, but I've got some compassion. And I would sit with these people, and it really came to me one day that there's a hard truth here. God, Father God, doesn't ask us to relate to him. He says, obey me. He's in charge. He doesn't say, relate to me. I know this is tough. You know? And there will be a time for prayer at the end because I, I, I don't make light of this at all. Um, but he says, obey me and have no other gods beside me. Father God has always been, you know, if you've got a non-Christian friend who says to you, God doesn't exist, you can say, yeah, that's true, God doesn't exist. Because to exist means you've got to have a beginning and an end. And God doesn't, Father God hasn't got a beginning and an end. He just is. He just was. However far back you go, you know, he was there. I think, I find that amazing. So when you put those two things together, that Father God has always been, that's why he doesn't exist, because he hasn't had a beginning and he has, certainly hasn't got an end. When you put, it in, put that in context and say, he's always been, and therefore, we don't relate, we obey. And I know that's tough. He's maker of heaven and earth. Now, I th- you know, I'm going off the script a bit here, but I do. S- Scott approved my script to check it for doctrine. <laughs> but as I'm on YouTube, the contents of this video do not necessarily express the views of, of Reading Family Church. So please do not sue the elders if I say something that is a little bit, a little bit dodgy. Um, God's, he's, he's maker of heaven and earth, and I think global warming is terrible, and I want to apologize to you young people that my generation have messed up the planet. Um, but you know, the, it will all end when God says so. Now that's not an excuse for not doing your recycling and all the rest of it, because I think we really should. I think we should be good stewards of the earth. That's not an excuse at all. But, you know, during the Cold War, 
we were all terrified that there'd be World War Three would break out. And I can remember um, hiding under the dining room table because we used to have actually civil defence drills, what to do in the event of a nuclear attack. And it's laughable. Put whitewash on the windows, hang up a wet blanket over the door and hide under the kitchen table. Now this is, you know, we lived in, in North London. Can you imagine, uh, uh, you know, clearly a Russian missile was going to land on London. You know, and there would be under the kitchen table. And so I'm used to the idea of, of that time of, of thinking the world was going to end. And when I became a Christian in 1973, and, and Jesus spoke to me, I suddenly had this revelation. It won't end till God says so. I think that's amazing. It won't end till God says so. So God's maker of heaven and earth. Um, another little pastoral thing I, I, I uh, must say is this. If you're a father in the room or online, I remembered. Oh, yeah. You can imagine people like that. It's, uh, it must be like, a, I suppose, if you're on television, you have to just imagine the audience, don't you? Some people you've got dressed, some of you are in your jammers. Oh, some you've given up and walked away. Oh, 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 oh. Um, no, seriously, if you're a father, um, you can struggle because when you, sh when you share with other fathers in the church, they're in the same trouble as you. The first thing is, it's very, very easy, whether you're a father or a mother, to think that your job is to make your children happy. Wrong. Your job is to bring them up properly. And that means in the knowledge of Jesus. Your children will not always be happy. Right? That's not your job. Your job is to bring them up properly. And that means in the knowledge of Jesus. And you can find yourself in orbit around your children. Just trying to please them, uh, you know, trying to give them the best of everything that money can buy. And, and just being in orbit around your children. And my son-in-law, Scott, puts it like this. We had a conversation, and I think this is brilliant. He said, he said um, if this is our view of Father God, we'll, we will be deeply let down as we are not the centre of his universe because he wants to be the centre of ours. I think that's a, you know, I always think the first time you quote someone, you tell them their name, give their name. The second time you quote them, you said, someone said. And the third time you quote, you say, I've always said. <laughs> so if you, if you just give you a, you know, that's how you do play, plagiarism. <laughs> but I, so, Scott, if you're, if you're watching now, you've got the credit for this, this time. Um, but I think this is really good. It, 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 if this is our view of Father God, we'll feel deeply let down when we're not the centre of his universe because he wants to be the centre of ours. This comes back to the relating to God thing, doesn't it? You know? Father God wants to be the centre of our universe. He wants to be our reference point. When we wake up in the morning, we should be saying, Holy Spirit, Father God, 
Lord Jesus, we're Trinitarians. We believe that all, th all three personalities are God. What's in store for today? So let's look um, at what the great apostle who described himself as the one Jesus loved had to say about Father God. This is 1 John 3, verses 1 to 6. And uh, I'm not going to use the abbreviations because I think people find you know, ESV, NIV, KGV, or, very confusing. If, if you're here or online, then maybe you've, you've come through an Alpha course and you're struggling you know, about all these Bible versions. There is one truth but different people have a way of putting it down. So this is the New International Version, right? NIV, New International Version. And uh, I, I do have the paper one at home. That's, that's uh, Liz Green encouraged us to, uh, and I've started doing my Bible studies again, in, not on the iPad, but actually with the paper one. It's, it's really good. Um, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, all who have had this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. Just repeat, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. The one who lives in him keeps, sorry, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. And um, I love that expression. Father God lavishes his, his love upon you. If you've ever been in a situation where someone has lavished uh, their attention upon you, which I have for 49 years, and it's very nice. Um, but you know, lavishes is a very over-the-top word. It's, it's not... God doesn't love us in a begrudging, little, weedy way. He loves us in a big way. And it's, it, it's over the top, and it's very one-sided, because God loves us with a love that, at the very best, we can reflect back a little bit of it. It's so big. Um, if you're slow to believe Father God loves you, and there can be many, many reasons, um, if it's unbelief, ask God for a, a gift of faith. Maybe you might be online or in the room and you think, well, actually, you're not good enough for Father God to love you. Well, that's true. Join the club. <laughs> because Father God doesn't love us on the basis that we are lovable or we deserve it, or we're worthy, is this uniqueness of Christianity. The uniqueness of Christianity is grace. And it's the grace of God 
That's why we're here this morning. It's the grace of God. That's why we're online this morning. It's the grace of God towards us. Now, God could have looked at us with compassion and devised a plan which would save us from hell, which would have been very nice. I mean, I think that's a good idea. Well, one or two people agree. Yeah, yeah. Toppy likes that idea. (laughs) Um, But Father God went beyond that and calls us his children. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the result of Father's determination to adopt us into his family. We could have been saved but not adopted. So this is a big deal. Adam was never called a child in the same way as believers are. This next bit's quite important, so pay attention. Yeah, that's it. Put, that, put the coffee cup down. This, right. It's very easy to make the mistake of thinking that redemption puts things back to where they were before Adam sinned. It's very easy to make the mistake of thinking that redemption puts things back to the way they were before Adam sinned. But it's so much more. It's so much more. It's, it's more than a restoration of that which was lost because of the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus was willing to carry out Father God's plans, we are granted more as believers than Adam ever had. Someone likes it. <laughs> Great. If we're children of God, there should be a family likeness to our Father in heaven. I don't know if you've ever met Joe Rogers. Have you? Little Joe Rogers? Yeah. yeah. If you've met Joe Rogers, you have no doubt in your mind that he is the son of Dan Rogers. Right? I mean, they, it's just, I've seen some fathers and sons before now, but it's uncanny. You say, not only does Joe look like his dad, he's even got some of the mannerisms. You know? I, I talked to Dan the other day. I said, Have you taught him to go, who did this job? <laughs> he, he's teaching him, and, oh, well, I have to be on day work, mate. Oh. You can just imagine it, can't you? But there should be a family resemblance, and. Uh, I have to ask myself, how much am I like Father in heaven? I have to decide to love my brothers and sisters. Kathy touched on this last week, um, about loving our brothers and sisters. Even the ones that are a bit more difficult to, to love. You know, not, you know, not everyone's easy. Though. We don't get on with everybody. We culturally and all sorts of reasons. Um, But being a child of God also means the Lord Jesus is our Lord and our brother. And in the passage that I read from from 1 John, it says, No one who lives in him, either Father God, keeps on sinning. In practical terms, 
Not only do we need to begin each day by saying, Lord, what, what's in store today? What, what, what have you got for me today? The other thing is we ought to have a determination not to sin. A determination not to sin. Every day, our resolve is, I am never going to sin again. That has to be our resolve. Kathy reminded us last week that if we, if, if we do sin, we have an advocate in, uh, in our Lord Jesus who, who speaks to Father God on our behalf. So, in summary, in summary, not long to go now, all right? God is our Father to be obeyed. We need to believe we are the redeemed children of God. We are to love our siblings. We are to detest sin and resist or flee as appropriate. If it's time to run, don't resist. If it's time to resist, don't run. You need to get that right. Let's live in liberty. Scripture says don't use your liberty as a cloak for unrighteousness. I can't remember what version that is. Probably a mixture. Um, Not a liberty to hide sin, but a liberty to love. Liberty to serve. Liberty to be humble. Liberty to give our money. Liberty to give our time. Father God has lavished his love upon us. Let's live like his children.